This is the Green Machine Podcast here for your midweek show. So a few little things to discuss today, including Vera Pau, contract extension, Matt Doherty, possibility of leaving Spurs, Aidan McGeady, a few calls for him to come in from fans on the page, Ireland to play friendlies and have a camp during the summer. But to start off, and again, similar to last week, sadly, it's more abuse of an Irish footballer with Shane Duffy. So Shane Duffy was subject to some online abuse yesterday. Uh, and just to read out some of the comments. So excuse the English air lads because it's fairly poor because it was written by an imbecile. So use our shit, you Fenian ugly bastard. Here we go. Ten in a row, A Duffy. You're fucking shite, you cunt. Go in the bar and sing another song, you Fenian disabled cunt. Haha, your dad's dead. Like, Jesus. where do you start, lads? Where do you start? I mean, he came out and apologised, didn't he? He says, I only said that for a reaction. Well, I read the well, I read the apology just to yeah, emphasise... Yeah, we, we have to be fair to it, I suppose. Yeah, just to emphasise how few brain cells this fella has, even with the English. Just to say everything I said to him was to see if he would actually reply. I was only going to see if I could get a reaction from Shane Duffy himself. Self... I didn't work, but now I shouldn't have brought that up. Great grammar from a highly intelligent man there. Where is the line going to draw here, lads? Because last week we are talking about James McLean. Outside the context of Irish football, it's getting outrageous. And I don't know if if more footballers are perhaps opening up their requested messages. I, I don't know what it is, but every single week, a couple of times a week, this is just becoming the team of 2021 in football yeah it's um it's as i said it's 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 been there before um it's just it's probably shane Duffy's he's probably just he's probably had a lot of this and he's decided you know fuck this i'm just going to share this because james yeah. mclean has shared it and you know not not saying anything's wrong with that sometimes you just go ah you know, you see something you want to comment and or share, it and you go, you know what? I just can't be arsed. Life's too short. And he's probably gone. You know what? I'm, I'm going to actually share this with everybody and show you this is what I go through. I, I mean, I don't know, obviously, what planet that guy's from, and how you even try to justify that. I mean, how do you justify it? Uh, it's, it's poison. There's he's a few put- rumors coming out that he's a Crusaders player. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how just, true that is. I've just seen that in a couple of unofficial outlets, but yeah, a few rumors coming out. Now that can be dangerous as well because if it's not the actual Crusaders player, you know that's setting someone up for a bit of a disaster. But yeah, by the looks of it, it, it is an actual footballer. Wow. Yeah, the, the sad thing with this is it's all too common now. And, I, and again, I know people are calling out, calling it out, which is right. But I mean, it does fall back on these social media companies to verify who these people are behind it. I mean, this day and age, it's ridiculous. Like, if you think we're in the middle of COVID, where they're talking about you won't be able to travel without a vaccine eventually, um, and yet you can open up a Twitter account and you can, without any profile or any check background checks on you, and post whatever you want. That's just madness. I mean, I couldn't fully understand, like, players... The sad thing is, the decent people who interact, probably like ourselves with players on online, you know, um, that will all just go away. And that's the sad thing for genuine yeah. people who, and, and especially with mental health being so such a key issue, especially at the current time, you know, it, a lot of people's outreach and interaction with players is probably quite important. And um, I think that, you know, players will, you wouldn't blame them for just kind of 
hiding themselves away even more. And especially with Ireland, we've always had that great relationship between the fans and players. I know, for example, this, this isn't, we know this isn't an Ireland fan doing this, but it's just social media. They've got, got to be more accountable to it. And, and it must be simply done. That, that's what annoys me with this. It, it must be a simple way of doing it. You can't have a yeah. betting account. You can't have a betting account in, in England and Ireland without verifying who you are and your age and a card details and things like that. So why is it different to have a Twitter or a social media account to verify who you are and you're accountable for that, for the content of that, basically? It's, I, becoming, I... it's becoming such a culture, though, isn't it? And I mean, I think a lot of people feel that because footballers are in the entertainment industry you see their faces on tv you see their faces on social media you see them so prevalent prevalently people assume that they're just living a different reality and then perhaps they're a little bit detached from reality so when these people are actually giving that abuse they don't realize it's a human being on the other side they just see this product they just see this um how can i kind of put it you know like this kind of movie star in a movie when it's actually real life yeah I mean, they wouldn't come up. They wouldn't go up to the likes of Shane Duffy and James McLean out in a bar or even in a hotel or anywhere you meet them. You you would never go up to them and say, you're this, this, this. You get filled in. So you'd never do it. So that's just what they're hiding behind. And we know that that's a common thing. But I just think it's disgraceful that these social media accounts aren't more accountable. I did see see the reasoning, uh, the rationale behind it. There was a representative for Facebook and Sky News. When we were, when, when we, came up with a poster for James McLean on Lanson Road. I mean, we, we, we have always, and I, I can say this hand on heart, we have always broadcast or shared when we're aware or being made aware of any abuse towards any of the players. We always share it and um, with the full lash as well, because there's no point in hiding it. Let's get, let's, let's uncover it and have a look at it for what it is. And somebody shared a video, I think it was on, Sky Sports News or Sky News, and it was a lady representing Facebook, and she said that the reason why we don't ask for ID and the like is because mostly for women of colour in poorer nations in Africa um, find it very, very difficult to obtain such um, such documents. Yeah. And they want to make it accessible for everybody, um, which I get. But at the end of the day... Um, Surely there's a way of there must be, monitoring yeah. that as well within regions and within there different socioeconomic regions. It, there, there surely has to be a way. There has this to is, be a this way. This is getting – because I think there's a bigger issue here going on than, than people being able to access social media. And and it is becoming part of the culture. And part of me thinks, like, I might be completely – pardon the pun, but I might be completely offside saying this. But I don't think it's the fact that people are systematically anti-Irish or systematically racist towards Catholics or or people of Irish descent or anything like that. I honestly think it's just becoming a culture of people interacting with footballers in a negative way, looking at the best way that they can hurt them, their vulnerable, their vulnerable points. Like we we spoke about, um, we spoke about Erwin and Keane back in 98 when they received uh, letters of Combat 18, and they say, go back to your bog. Now, as we said, Roy Keane's from the city, and I doubt him or Dennis Irwin will give a shit about you know, being told to go back to the bog. That's a fairly weak uh, slag you know, from a from a neo-Nazi yeah. group. But but it's it's one of those where I think people are just trying to hit, hit people or hit players in their most vulnerable position. And unfortunately, social media has become the platform for it. I think it's... I think more and more, this is probably, it's going to sound a bit out there, but sure, most of the stuff will come out with sounds out there. Um, 
I think because we're living in a more virtual world, you know, we're normally that's the sort of stuff you'd hear on the terraces or in the football stand, yeah, you know, for sure, s- screaming stuff at, at a player. And I think now, obviously, we can't do that because of the COVID situation, empty stadiums and the like. People are just, oh, you know what? This is a new way to do it. And I think just a lot of people just don't understand. I think they think it's a video game. Um, it, it's felt like a video game, lads, for the last year and a bit because it's, it's a surreal situation. And I just yeah. think, ah, what's the harm in that? I mean, your man's explanation, the, the funny thing about it is, and more is to, be, is to pity, is that I actually believe his explanation that he was just doing it for a reaction, which, by the way, does not excuse him whatsoever. In fact, that yeah. would, would ask me more questions about this guy's psyche and his mental state and what planet, yet again, is he, is this guy on where he thinks this is okay? Yeah. And I think... Even his grammar, I mean, so, this is awful because, I mean, look, things like... Um... You know things like literacy it's, it's nothing to be laughed at and i don't think this this lad has literacy skills per se but for someone to put so little thought into um i don't know if you'd even call that a statement but but for someone to have so many grammar uh, grammatical errors and so on yeah. like it just shows that they're you know they're probably not playing with the full deck of cards that's the thing but i mean i mean and but there is no excuse for the content of it and and no. i think anyone if you get abused, you think, okay, well, maybe he's coming out from that angle, or you just you don't even know their background, and you think, okay, I mean, they must get lots and lots of abuse, these players. Yeah. But for Duffy to actually, the thing that hurt him the most is the last comment, isn't it? Obviously, your dad's dead, yeah. whatever. Like he's it's lost his dad the belt, last year yeah. in May. That that's the thing then to say that is just not acceptable. That's something no. emotional affecting him, impact on his family. Same as James McLean, you just can't go there. You're not, I mean, you're not right-minded to go there anyway. But that's what he's thinking. That's outrageous. I'm not having that. And I'm going to let the world see that I'm not having that. And that's what's that's only right, I think, um, that he's done that. But Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I mean. as we said last week, guys, I mean, if someone goes up to James McLean in the street and makes threats against his wife, makes threats against his kids, makes threats against his household, they're probably going to prison. Yeah. You know? Yes. Probably, going, probably going to hospital. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, so that, some... that is a sad thing, I think, with it. Um, and I think, you know, he, he just has obviously been infected by it, uh, impacted by it. And, you know, his form's not great at Celtic and stuff. He's getting a lot of backlash off Celtic fans as well, just on his playing performance, which I think any professional footballer, you can take that. But when it gets personal about family and things like that, you just that's not acceptable. And we know that. that that's just yeah. it. Yeah. It's funny because I... I was talking... Sorry, David. Yeah, no, and just to touch on that, I mean, obviously that, I, I would say that's gone a fair bit to affect his form, uh, Shane Duffy, obviously, like the emotional... Massive, yeah. Massive. I mean, look at Jurgen Klopp, for example, one yeah. of the best managers in the world, and, you know, people were wondering, God, he's lost a plot here. And then it's, it's come out, his man passed away, he couldn't go out to the funeral. I don't care who you are, that is going to affect you, because yeah. we're all human. So, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, some better news to touch on now, lads. And Vera Pau is after signing a two-year contract with the women's national team. So I don't think people are going to realise what a big appointment this is because, look, there, there's been issues around the women's game, possibly not getting enough exposure, possibly not getting enough equality. And that's been a battle for, for women athletes worldwide. But if you delve into it, Pau, I think she was appointed 2019. And I remember remember seeing her CV and seeing her track record and thinking, holy shit, this is... this." Like, I thought Colin Bell was a big appointment, Champions League winner. Vera Pau is a serious coup. And to get her on a contract extension is even bigger. Because a lot of what she kind of referred to today 
uh, during the announcement was that she's unfinished business with this team. And I've always followed the women. And I suppose I would have associated the, the women's team with Emma Byrne. You know, great players like Emma Byrne. But if you look at the caliber of players now, you know, your Katie McCabe's, your Megan Campbell's, your Leanne Kiernan's, your Kira Grant's. This combination, this this golden generation, I believe, of women's players combined with Pau for the next two years is a massive coup for, from the FAI. We'll give them credit for once. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there. This is a brilliant announcement, I think. I mean, I've, I've, I think with lockdown and that last game against Germany, um, which they, they played really well in uh, that yeah. game, they lost 3-1. I mean, that was never a 3-1 loss. But, um, I mean, this is a massive, like you said, the words coup is exactly it because keeping her she would have been in high demand i think yeah, for other jobs um i think she's got brilliant um you know experience on it and i, I love hearing that, that i think a real positive story for our, our irish football is that she's saying i've got unfinished business i believe in this team and we have not even hit the ceiling with this team yet they are just getting better and better and you know she, there was a lot of reasons why um you know, I know we've spoken about, even in our podcast the other day, about the McCarthy era where we had the campaign where it was disrupted. This is a really unprecedented time, as we know, with COVID. They had a real, yeah. lots and lots of disruption in this. Um, you know, I think she's got discipline right, the coaching background right. You know, she's not afraid to kind of ha- get into the players and toughen them up a little bit, which maybe that was something they needed over the years. You know, that she's making them more professional. I know that they've announced that they're... You know, she's quite critical of the FAI, but I think uh, uh, with regards to the that she recognises that there's no funding um, at the level. Yeah. But but I think and she wants to make it more professional, but she's she's a realist. She knows that there's you need money to do this. And she's adjusted to that with her coaching. Like She's not saying we can't compete. There's no negative vibe about her. I think she's just saying we can compete. That, that, and you're going to see better things from these girls because the age of that squad as well. We've got a real good mix of experience. I mean, that. I thought she was really good, and uh, I'm giving a name drop to uh, Kilkenny uh, here with um, but Ella Malloy is like 16. She's scoring yeah. loads of goals playing for Wexford Youths, and, and like she's 16, she's going to be a name in the game definitely. And like Katie McCabe's 25, and she's our captain. She's been around for years. It's brilliant, yeah. yeah. I mean that is just a real experienced squad, and they're only going to get better. And I love the fact she said we haven't reached the ceiling with them. I think that's really good. I think they're certainly going to catch a lot of attention in the next few years, to be honest, because as I mentioned, that that previous golden generation under Noel King I mean look we have our own ideas about Noel King but you know you would have had as I said Emma Byrne who's you know winning titles every single season with Arsenal and now we've got a litany of players a huge amount of players coming through and, and the average age must be about you know 14 like they're they're <laughs> that good they're that yeah. good and more players going to England so another again to, to maybe bring the tone down a bit um, <laughs> so Somebody was listening to us, David, about Matt Doherty. So ESPN reporting that Jose Mourinho is willing to sell him because he's not progressing. Kind of took the took the words out of our mouth from our episode a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, f- funny that. Because um, I remember when I shared that on the page, I got a little bit of stick from one or two players, uh, players, one or two uh, followers, saying, oh, you know, it it's a bit hard to say it's been a disaster. I, I don't think it has. And it doesn't surprise me that's come out. I mean, there's no smoke without fire. Yeah. Um, obviously, you take anything um, these days with a pinch of salt. It doesn't surprise me. It, he, he hasn't done well there. Uh, he's regressed a little bit. And it's ironic. He finally gets in the Ireland team, but he's not playing at club level. As I said on the pod, um, he just 
isn't he, he, it makes sense for him it makes sense for him to go to uh, Tottenham it makes sense for him to be playing at a top club because I think Matt Doherty has the potential to be a really top player yeah. what doesn't make sense is Jose Mourinho at Tottenham and Jose Mourinho at a top club these days because I believe he's yesterday's man and I think someone like Matt Doherty is not going to respond well to uh, Jose Mourinho's style of management it's, uh, it's very sort of abrasive yeah, it's abrupt. Um, it's very old school, and that is why Jose Mourinho is hasn't won anything for a number of years. I think Manchester United was the last time he won anything, and it wasn't really the top prize. It was a couple of cups, not the league, not what no, not not the main, uh, the main prize that they wanted because they thought he was going to get them back to their best. It didn't happen because I believe he's yesterday's man. Because yeah, if you look at Nuno, Nuno Esprita at Wolves, he's very much a contemporary coach, and yeah. we did we did argue. Well, we didn't argue with each other. We just we just raised the point that was Doherty the success of the Nuno product of Wolves. You know, playing in that very specific wing back position where he, where he was able to go into the box. Where now he's played left wing back, he's played right wing back, where he's probably got more defensive duties than attacking duties. And funnily enough, he got in the Europa League team of the week last last week. And look, I don't know how much weight that has because they were playing a, a pub team. No offence to them. But surely, if you're getting in the Europa League team of the year and then you're not starting the, the following Sunday, like that's not going to do your confidence any good at all because Doherty seems to be a fella. Look at the O'Neill era look at the Esprita, his, his time under Esprita, he seems to be a fella that needs the coaching, that needs that extra bit of instruction, that needs the arm around the shoulder. Yeah. And traditionally with Mourinho, you would have gotten that. But we've seen in the past when Mourinho, even take Luke Shaw as a really recent example, when he doesn't fancy a player or when a player doesn't suit his system or suit his style, that player can become very alienated. And look at Luke Shaw now, since Mourinho's left. That's yeah. just one example. So, so it shows that Doherty is perhaps too much of a of a product of his coaches where under Mourinho it's counterproductive from. I, I think Doherty is a modern player and Mourinho is not a modern manager. Mourinho wants you to figure things out for yourself. He wants you to be for want of a better word, he wants you to be a man. You know, he wants you to, you know, think for yourself, you know, step up, be an adult, where the modern player isn't quite like that. And the modern coach doesn't like that. Modern coach likes to give instruction and likes their players to carry that instruction out to the letter. And yeah. I, I think, as we said again, I mean, as we said before, Mourinho is, is a very abrupt manager. And man, when Manta Hardy told the story of when he criticised Martin O'Neill and Ma- Martin O'Neill had found out about this criticism and then rang up uh, Matt Hardy and called him a tosser. And hung up, and Doherty seemed very disturbed by this, and said, "Oh, well, I don't want to get into it again, so I don't want that to happen." It was very, it was very nasty, you know. Which I'd imagine wouldn't be the the nicest thing in the world to ha- have somebody call you up an angry Ulsterman and just like berate <laughs> you, berate you down the phone. But yeah, the day, like, I mean, what what what's really going to happen? You know what I mean? Is he going to show up at his door like Roy Keane and and beat him? You know, nothing like that's going to happen. But when you hear that. You're thinking, all right, now you're going to an abrasive manager who's going to be in your face. He's going to to insult you or, or, or to push your buttons to get a reaction. He's going to poke the bear, as we've seen when he, when he tried to do it with Pogba. I remember that with Pogba, where I was watching it in Sky Sports News, where Pogba jogged on a little bit late um, for the Man United training, and then Marino goes over and says something to him, and then you see Pogba looking at him and go, what, what? 
you know, it's that very abrasive thing um, that he likes to create because he wants a reaction from his players. With older players, that will work. With the with the with the older style players, that would work, and it did work for Mourinho, and it worked very very well. It doesn't work with the modern style footballer. You might get one or two that react to it, but you need more than that, and that's why Mourinho won't win a tournament probably for a very long time. Yeah, the line that came out of ESPN was the fact that he hasn't progressed and. This is something we speak about kind of regularly on the Green Machine, this whole idea of this coziness that a lot of Irish players tend yeah. to find themselves in. So bigger contract, bigger club, bigger profile, and all of a sudden the, the progress in their actual footballing game tends to either hit a standstill or tends to regress. And you know, it's the wrong manager. The, the fact for, right, for, for Doherty as well. It's right. The trajectory is correct for Doherty. And I do think, you know, him being gone for top club, fair play to him. He'd be stupid not to. People say no, he shouldn't have left Wolves, but yeah, hindsight that seems the case. But he'd be stupid not to not to go to a bigger, better club, so to speak. But it's just the wrong manager, and I think that's unfortunate. And I'd like to see more players, Irish players, actually take a risk and go out of the comfort zone and not get so cozy. Yeah, but yeah, just work just... hard. I mean, the yeah. the last player, like correct me if I'm wrong here, lads, but the last player that I remember actually improving their game. And where you could see, where you could physically see the improvement in their game, that they that they taken time to work on their fitness, work on their technical ability, was Stephen Ireland. Yeah, he it was when he. I remember he went through a phase he go, where he went up to the mountains, didn't he, with his ninja buddy and shaved his head and. Yeah, yeah. he went to Glossop, uh, which is just a little bit further north of. It's around York, between Yorkshire and Lancashire. Went through it before, and he started doing kickboxing. To yeah. take the fitness, people go, oh, why would you do kickboxing with football? Well, it gives you another dimension for your fitness and your agility and all that. And he shaved his head, got rid of, got because he had an issue with his hair loss. And then all of a sudden, he got rid of that issue. He got rid of that, uh, I can't think of the word. That was gone. Alopecia. Yeah. Yeah. He got rid of that. That clearly bothered him. That was gone. And basically, yeah, he became sharper. It became better. And he was a quality player. And he was built uh, I remember seeing a picture of him like uh, in a nightclub where he's showing his eight pack and he was absolutely yeah. ripped to fuck. Fortunately, it didn't work out for him as we know. But yeah, that 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 goes to show you when you see when you see foreign players, top players, they tend to be built and ripped and in tremendous uh, condition. And then you might see one or two Irish players and they don't quite look like that. And you kind of think, are you working hard enough in the gym? Are you training enough? Are you looking after your diet? Are you maybe going to the going for one too many points? These things do go through my head when, when I see it because you always see the top players. Steven Gerrard, I remember, would be just ripped to fuck when you see him, you know, when he was the top, top player at Liverpool. Ronaldo, obviously, is a perfect example. Yeah, I think I, I come in on this. I think with, like you're saying, I think it is a little bit about the mentality of players. When they get to that peak, are they going to keep up to that level? And Seamus Coleman is a prime example of that. You know, he doesn't drink, doesn't Ultimate gamble, pro. all that kind of stuff. Ultimate pro. He doesn't do social team. media. No. May we add? Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, he 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 is definitely someone an example to them, definitely for that. I think Doherty at Tottenham, I kind of feel a bit sorry for him. He's come into a new club. The fans aren't there as well. Their expectation isn't helping him because he's been judged a lot on social media. And if there's any inkling from the management that you're not, they're not sure about the player. The fans are going to jump on that straight away as well. Yeah. He's not played. I mean, he's had 21 appearances for them. He got sent off in one game. He had COVID after the Ireland-Wales game. He's been stop-start. And I just think the fans, 
the Tottenham fans are ready. They're not the greatest supporters in the world anyway. But they, oh. that's way 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 of alienating them. But um, they they've kind of turned them already. I've got a few friends of mine, Tottenham fans. They can't have him at all. And I'm all saying I'm saying like, no, he's a quality player, and he's you know you you will see it. But I think there's a couple of things for me. He's 29. He was always gonna. It's brilliant that he took that move. It's probably maybe one of his probably last opportunity to get that big move. Yeah. Um, like so, he was always gonna take it. I feel sorry for him again that he's gone into a, a team that's a little bit unsettled. You know, that, well they are unsettled. Um, he's he's not doing he's not in the same system that made him so successful. You know, he was a he's the last Irish player I think who was in the Premier League team of the week or player of the week I think he got at one stage when he was at Wolves and he was scoring loads of goals then. I mean he hasn't even scored for them and I know he's playing a different position but that's the expectation when you buy a kind of wing back. And they don't really play wing backs too much or whatever like that. And you're playing him right back or left back. You're not going to get goals from him. You're asking something to do alien to him completely. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing with Artie at the moment. He's not really got going with it. And, and that's a sad thing because he'll be judged on that. And I don't think it's a, really a fair reflection of him as a player. Um, no. Yeah. He, I, I, I agree he's a quality player. I mean, his I suppose his major rival for right back, I mean, there's only going to be one choice for right back for me in March, Seamus Coleman. Cyrus Christie. Cyrus Christie. <laughs> no, no, centre mid. We're going to play him centre mid. Um, no, I mean, Seamus Coleman, I, I totally agree there. For me, I think he was the best right back in the Premier League until he got that leg break against Wales. And I thought that was so sad because for me... Once he got his leg break, that was he should have been he was on the precipice for me to go to a top club. He should have been going to a Man United, a top four club. Sorry, but you know, at the time I thought he was too good for Everton. And I think he should have been going for a top top Premier League club, challenging for the Champions League, challenging for the Premier League. And when he got that break, it was just at the worst possible time because he was going to be out for a year. And then I mean, you know, I, I think Everton offered him a contract straight away. And for me, I just thought that stopped him from going to that proper, proper elite level. I just He was just on the ascendancy for Ireland. He was magnificent. I think he got a great goal against uh, Georgia at home where he literally dragged the team, dragged the team over the line. It was Roy Keane-esque because we were ter- we were shy in that match. Yeah. And I remember he was just superb and it was just so lucky. He got such a horrific leg break and he's still, he's still a top player, but I think he would have been more. And I know that I'm probably going to piss off a lot of Everton fans, but you know, you just have to be realistic. And yeah, me, great player. And I, I think with Doherty, he's really, but give him a play him somewhere else in the team. I think uh, Martin, I don't know what you think about it. I, I said I would probably play him as a left winger coming in, or maybe a left forward, having him coming in on his right foot. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the that's the thing with him. You can play him anywhere it's, it's, he's a little bit like Robbie Brady you can probably yeah. play him anywhere his quality will get him through he could play we, we are we aren't blessed sadly but um you know he can play in anywhere really and you could slot him in and he will do a really good job for you he'll probably be you know we there was a great debate wasn't there that Gibraltar away game where him and Seamus were both going to play or what way he was going to do it and he got subbed but you know I, I just see him I'd, I'd love him to really get kick-started, even with Ireland as well, and really see something. I know he's got a few goals for us, but I'd really like to see him kick on. And sadly, I think his form, though, is just being impacted. A little bit like Duffy at Celtic by his club club commitments. They are impacting him, but we are not blessed. So we will have, he will be in the team probably, but it's where he slots in. And I, I agree with you completely. Coleman's got to start. 
um, in March in those games. And I love the way even Seamus, you know, people have doubted him many times, but he's just got so much dignity and grace about himself that, you know, he, he went to the press conference and sat there when he knew he wasn't going to even be played or he, he knew he was dropped in a way, but he sat there because he is a team leader. That's it. And I love that about him. And I think that's, he is going to set us up for the next phase of our development with these young players. If you can just watch him, if you want to watch a player who came into the Premier League for nothing, look at the career he's had. That's, that should be an example to anyone in that Ireland squad. Just to move on there, lads, to give a little bit of fan opinion. So we put a post up last week stating Aidan McGeady's really, really impressive assist rate. Now, League One, give it, you know, that's fair enough. But eight assists in 12 games after not really playing for about a year and a half. Well, no, about a year, let's say. So I was expecting a massive backlash from this. I was expecting people to say, are you absolutely bonkers? Yada, yada, yada. To be fair, I gave my view. I said, look, I don't think he's going to play, but we're delighted that he's doing well. And just to give you some of the responses, so the first one here from Rona McGrath, his quality is something we are missing in the squad. Graham Tucker, end, of lack, uh, end product is always lacking. Great in spurts, but we need someone who can actually do it in the final third. Ronan McGrath again. Or sorry, Stephen Hackett, have to agree. And now this is, this is an interesting one because this is a Sunderland fan. So have to agree. I watch Sunderland every week. They made a fuck up by sending him on loan because a few snowflakes of the club. I'd have McGeady in the squad before McCarthy, Hendrick, and very closely Brady. And then just to give a couple more. So this one's from Damien McGeady. I don't know if he's any relation. Get him in the squad, even as an impact player off the bench. Bags of creativity. Ronan Shanahan deserves a spot on experience alone. Mark Kevin, no chance. Talk about going backwards for fuck's sake. Crazy talk. <laughs> and Robert Duggan White. It's League One, though. If he was doing it at a higher level, it would be different. So... Quick word on that, lads. I mean, Aidan McGeady, 35 years of age in April, our longest-serving player, technically. 2004, I think he came into the squad. Is he going to even come into the mind of Stephen Kenny as he's weighing up his options? Or are we being a bit ambitious even considering this or bringing it up in conversation? I mean, sorry, Martin, you go no, Go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to take the plunge first. Uh, no. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, uh, it doesn't help the fact that it's Serbia, as well as going to be our first opponents. You know, probably there we're going to be fighting it out for second spot, probably with Serbia in the group. So I, I can't see it happening. I mean, he is on form, and to be fair with football, you know, I think a major part of his confidence, the other parts form, and you know the rest of it, whatever. Uh, I don't. I can't see it happening because. I, I hope it doesn't happen as well. I just make nothing against A. McGeady. Uh, I don't think he ever ever did enough. I mean, he, he scored a great goal in Georgia, I remember. he would, That amazing, amazing goal. Uh, other than that, I think, like, I think what a lot of people forget is the build-up against Italy in Lille. McGeady was the only player to actually put his foot in the ball and drive forward. And then, obviously, the ball gets played into Wes Hulhan and into Robbie Brady. But yeah. a lot of people forget McGeady's involvement in that build-up. I'm not yeah. saying that that's going to justify him getting yeah, in a World I, Cup I, qualifying I, squad I for that, 21. Honest, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I understand that point that 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 that, play, uh, that person's made about you know that he he will bring experience and things like that. But his age is against him now. He's not been doing it at the top level. There's a reason he's gone down to Division One. He is flat to deceive at international level as well. He's just rec- you know, five goals as well. I know it's not all about goals. And, and the sad thing, I think what will go against him, even if he was in flying form and in the Premier League, 
for example, and then doing it there is we are we are kind of we have got some. I know they're young, but we've got a lot of attacking players um, that he has trying. He's trying to mould, and he's the way he's trying to play. And I can't see how um, McGeady would fit into that um, with his age now. And and again, he, he's had so many opportunities. It would be a step back. I was going to say, I, I would rather. I mean, I'd probably put Wes Hulan. Um, I, I would probably would look at maybe getting him involved in some capacity, even if you never played, but just have him, have him around. Um, I mean, what an example for pretty young players. Teach Jeff Hendrick how to pass a ball. Yeah, more than two inches. Um, yeah, I, I really would. I, I genuinely would. And, and that, was a, that was a mistake they made with Glenn Whelan as well. He, he, he should have been in a few more squads after he was kind of put to the side. Because even just to come in, and I think we're blessed with Irish players, I think with, with this is that I think a lot of them would come in and they would help and know they're not coming to play. I think you can yeah. see the senior pros that they're they're willing to do that. They they're kind of already kind of settled into a kind of a bit part role in their playing wise. They're kind of going downwards a little bit like that. But they are looking probably for the future and coaching role and stuff it's, like that. So it's like it, it's like Shay Givens' role. It's a little bit yeah. like Shay Givens' role at the Euros. I mean, he was never going to play. I know he he played a few games in the qualifiers. Then he come off injured against Germany, and that's where Randolph took over. Yeah, but he was never going to play in the Euros. But I think the reason he was brought this is probably a, a conversation for a completely different day. But I think the reason he was brought to the Euros ahead of say David Ford was because he was going to offer that mentoring role. Just to sum up, lads. So Ireland are set to play two away friendlies in June, according to the Mirror, uh, with the possibility of a ten-day warm-up training camp. So just a random one. What two teams would you like to see us play? Oman and who else? <laughs> Oman B. <laughs> Poland, probably. I'd, I'd, I'd personally like to see Trinidad and Tobago uh, because all the players will get two caps, you know, for playing Trinidad oh, yeah. and for playing oh, Tobago. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> Did you write that one, Nick? Did you? <laughs> um, I, I, I stole that one. I'd love, right. to see, I'd love to see us play Scotland. I don't know why, but I'd just love to see us play Scotland. Stephen Reid involved there, and they're going to the Euros. Maybe have a little bit of a chip in their shoulder regarding us. So I'd love, love us to play Scotland, and maybe, I don't know, maybe a lesser team that might um, afford us a few goals, maybe an Andorra or San Marino. I, I would have liked to have seen the friendlies in February or something like that. I, I would have liked to have seen um, Stephen Kenny get an opportunity. I think that's been a huge problem. It's been hot and heavy. Ooh, uh, for Kenny for a while, you know, like he's literally his first game in charge was Bulgaria Nations League. Then I think he had the, the game against uh, Slovakia and it just hasn't stopped. The only friend we have is against world class opposition with England. And with all the withdrawals, with all the COVID nonsense going on, he hasn't just, he really, really just needs to play someone who we can put like three or four past, you know, really just. Just a bit of confidence. I remember the, years ago, Northern Ireland, I think they were playing under Laurie Sanchez, and they it, they were, it was similar to us. They hadn't scored a goal in, Jesus, about 10 games or something. So, and this kind of brings my joke to the to the forefront a little bit. So they actually, they brought the team, they brought the team to the Caribbean. I think yeah. they pay, played like St. Kitts and Nevis and, I don't know, Granada. And they scored about 10 goals in two games and, and that got the ball rolling against some of the bigger clubs. So I think, or some of the bigger teams. So I think, I know we joke about Oman and we joke about the likes of Trinidad and Tobago, very bad joke for myself, a, a dad joke for me, not even a dad. But I think 
I think having one of those weaker teams, having that opportunity to find the goal and to hit the net would be a huge bonus, I think. And then maybe compiling that with a fixture against your Scotland's or whatever, your Poland's, your Spain's, whatever. Yeah, we, we, we really, as I said, I mean, he needs goals. And I, I, Jack did it as well. I think he put us, um, we went to the Icelandic tournament in 86. It was just to get some confidence, just to get a bit of confidence, really get across the way he wants the team to play against, you know, so-called weaker opposition. And yeah. we could do with that. We won't get the opportunity. So uh, it, the thing is, I mean, we're not really going to get to play. We're, we're not probably not going to get to go to the match, regardless wherever it is. Uh, I know the COVID restrictions. We, two we've got two away games as well. Yeah, we, we've got a pathway um, over here in the UK, thank God, to get out of this, hopefully by June. Uh, the end of June, if everything goes well, Ireland won't be the same. I don't know what state the other country is going to be in because I'd reckon they'll, they're going to be played in Central Europe somewhere. Because um, I think last year they were supposed to be played, they were supposed to play a game in Austria, I think, and it just yeah. didn't happen. It's meant to go to the US as well on a tour. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter for me. I, I I just want easy opposition because I think right now Stephen Kenny needs um, to get as many games under his belt. He needs to get a settled side, settled squad, settled style of football. And I don't care if we play Shamrock Rovers 2 or whatever. We just need goals. We need confidence. We need momentum. And he needs to be able to blood in players as quickly as possible. It's not ideal. Because basically, by the end of this campaign, we need to make sure he needs to show everybody, you know, we're going in the right direction. And, you know, because I think the heat's really on him at the moment. So I don't really care who we play, if I'm honest. I just want us to play the easiest opposition. There's no there's, there's, there's no point. There's no point for a glamour friendly or, try, or testing ourselves. We just need uh, cohesion and we need goals. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I agree on that. I'd just like to see him get more settled in camp and positive vibes coming out of the camp, really. We'll have a new coach with him, hopefully. We'll have a new goalkeeper coach in there. I just want to see positive stories coming out and um, no leaks and things like that. I just want to, you know, I want to see uh, the, you know, I, just want, I want to see him play football. I, I've, I've been impressed with the football they've been trying to play. Yeah. And I know it's not just all about stats, but the stats are showing that they, they were creating more chances. I could see what they were trying to do. It's a whole change of Irish football that what Kenny's trying to implement I'm still behind that at the moment, but I think we will need to see goals. We'll need to see, you know, a couple of really good... It's a real good opportunity, I think, for some of them players to step up now and, and stake a claim for starting spots in, the, in these key games as well. So I, it, you'll, you'll see who is really going to be giving their all for Irish football, I think, because like we've alluded to before, everyone wanted to, no one really wants to go on them summer camps in a way. But if you want to be part of Irish football going forward under Kenny and you believe in it, you're going to make yourself available for that June uh th- those june friendlies absolutely so that's all we have time for today so thanks again to david and martin for their views on the midweek news so keep your feedback and your comments coming have a look at our mick mccarthy part two episode which is quite an interesting one but a heartbreaking one all the same and we'll be back at the weekend for our mid for our weekend throwback so until then all the best and come on you boys in green <laughs>